What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. This is AJ Brown and you're listening to Roster Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the epic Roster Watch podcast brought to you by rosterwatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap, joined today by an epic legend in the NFL beat reporter industry. He's a gentleman known mostly for his excellent football takes, his great opinions, but also for his bow ties. He's uh, no, no bow tie today. He is Teron Davenport. You can find him on Twitter at T Davenport underscore NFL. He's the uh, Titans reporter for ESPN. Also the host of talking with TD that comes on Fridays, uh, 6 PM there on the Titan station in Nashville, but you can also find it on iTunes and spot. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing wherever you, you find your podcast, right. just search for talking with TD Teron. It's been too long, brother. How the hell are you doing? My guy, I'm doing really well, man. It's always good to, Come on and talk shot with you, man. This is my guy uh, Byron too, but uh, you know we'll we'll make it work. Well, we're probably not gonna. We were just talking before we came on. We're probably not gonna be able to see you at camp this year because I think the fans would like to know. I mean, are you are are you allowed to talk a little bit about how it's going to be for media members and what fans can expect as far as coverage this year? Just kind of kind of in a general sense during training camp. Yeah, I could get into it a little bit. Basically, it's going to be split into tiers for media groups. It's primarily going to be local media. You have national guys be able to and girls be able to to swoop in and, and get some coverage. But definitely, don't expect any live tweeting. It's different, and you know, for someone like me, I hate that because that's one of the things I know you guys, the fans, and and you guys, the the you know the analysts like to see are those live tweets. But it's not going to happen this year. But we are able to do camp reports. I'll definitely have some things after practice, just like five things that stood out, those type of things. But, you know, no access to the locker room or anything like that. We it's going to depend on what team you're you're with as far as being able to have that one on one, not one on one, but the uh, in person with the head coach. That's going to vary from team to team. But it's going to be a lot different. But I will say this. We're doing everything that we can to make sure we still bring that coverage. And I intend to fully bring the ruckus regardless. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Well, no, I mean, we all know you're going to bring the ruckus. But <laughs> I just I, I just saw on the uh, like on the PF, I forgot it was the PFWA release or one of these. And I, and I know that you guys on your beats have been, probably just all been briefed separately from what the, you know, the overall NFL guidelines are. But is, is it true that you can't even say like stuff about 
different formations. Yeah. Like, are you, you're not you're not even able to say like who's lining up to the nickel corner or something, or or is that allowed? Like where? How does that? How does that jive with like what you do? Um, and that seems new. Is yeah, that, as of as of right now, you are limited as far as what you could say from a formation standpoint, from a substitution or rotational standpoint. Now that could change as we get further into the process. But right now, you kind of, you kind of yeah, think it will. I, I, you have to think it will. I, I think it's going to actually vary by team, though, because like if you take my experience when I was in Baltimore. You could not do any of that kind of stuff. But yeah, yeah, yeah. as well as here in Nashville, it, it's a bit different. It's a lot more open. So I think the teams that really are worried about that are going to continue to enforce it like they did pre-pandemic. But the teams that were more lenient, I think, will be exactly that, more lenient. It makes perfect sense you mentioned Baltimore because they were they were the – I think we've been now to every camp through the, through all of our training camp tours we've done over the last five years. Baltimore, Baltimore was the last one to give in to let a fantasy football outfit in there, and that, oh, that really? was last year. Yeah, they wow. just said we can't let you in as fantasy. We're like every other team has, has let us in at this point, but now multiple times. Uh, Baltimore finally gave up the ghost this year and and uh, let 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 Byron in there, so he could. I th- I think they were interested in showing off showing off lo- what Lamar Jackson was about to do. Is, is what the deal was. Um, speaking of that, man, um, the Tennessee Titans, the team that you cover, the team that I, I believe took, the, took took Lamar Jackson and the Ravens out um, uh, last year against everybody's against everybody's better suspicions uh, on a on a huge run. I, I want to talk to you about a lot of Titan subjects, so I'll just I'll, I'll fire through and you can go into whatever detail you want. My first one, and this is like. This is what I want you to ask you about the most. It's about Derrick Henry's contract. And are you happy with the fact that they gave him the contract? Or I guess not happy. Do you approve of the contract? Do you think it was the right decision? And if so, do you think we'll look back on this and say it, it was better that the Titans did this with Derrick Henry than what we've seen with the Cowboys do with Zeke, which is really hamstrung their negotiations with some of their other big-name players. You know, They weren't able to keep Byron Jones. There's a con- – constant issue going on now with uh, Dak, Dak Prescott, Todd Gurley, they pay him big and he's gone the next year. The Cardinals pay David Johnson. He's gone a year or two later. Um, a lot of people would call those kinds of contracts, cautionary tales. Uh, do you, do you see the Derrick Henry situation being different? I definitely see it being different to be honest with you. And the deal that they were able to get actually put the Titans in a better position to improve the roster this year, whereas it opened up another $4 million in cap space. And what they could do now is go out and get Jadavian Clowney. And if they do that, fantasy <laughs> folks, I think you might want to get the Titans uh, defense on, on the roster. But for sure. when you look at the deal, I mean, $25.5 guarantee for a guy who has only missed two games in, in his career. We're talking four years, right? So, I think it's a great deal. And especially when you look at the Titans, that offense revolves around the rushing game. Ryan Tannehill, everybody points to Ryan Tannehill, and he played outstanding. Don't get it twisted. But that 70% completion percentage that he had went up to 76% on play action. Now, you will have some analytics guys say that play action is going to be effective regardless. I beg to differ, especially after talking to people who have actually been in that situation 
where they had to read run first. Right. You're going to read it a lot more when a guy is, is rushing for five yards a pop at 303 carries. So right. he's a big part of that, that offense. And I, I think it's a great deal. David Johnson, you know, that, that situation, you had a coaching change. People bring up Levy mm-hmm. and Bell. Well, he signed with a team that had a head coach that didn't even want to feature him. And a general then, manager to like had to complete discord with the head coach. You know? Yeah, yeah. And, and if, if you look at Todd Gurley, obviously the, the D had a lot to do with that. Now, Ezekiel Elliott, it, I think that was a good deal for the Cowboys myself. But at the same time, you know, getting it back to Derrick Henry, it, it's a deal that, that, was, that was great for them. I mean, when you compare it to some of the other deals that running backs have signed, and especially for a guy coming off and leading the league in rushing, 69% of the offense he accounted for in, in the playoff leading up to the AFC Championship. Do you know, yeah. do you know what, do you know what, Teron? I'd like to ask, and I, I'm not even sure that this stat's correct, but I saw it from uh, Rich Rebar, who is an analyst for Warren Sharp's uh, website, Sharp Football Analysis. And he said, I couldn't believe this. He said that last year, whenever Ryan Tannehill was the quarterback for the Tennessee Titans, they were only leading on 27% of their of, of, of his snaps. And I thought and it, it, that was the, that was the lowest rate in the league from what he had said among winning teams. And mm-hmm. clearly Tennessee wasn't uh, just a winning team. They were a team that went deep into the playoffs. Yeah. And, but but to me it would seem like it would it would seem like it would be the opposite because they were so committed to the run. They never lost a commitment to the run. And, and so it goes to show, even if that's, that's, that's true. And I haven't stat checked it, but I, I do generally respect what rebar and what Warren sharp put out. Um, like if, if they, if, if they were really down, like, you know, 73% of the time and, and they still kept feeding Derek Henry, imagine what's going to happen when variance bounces back, you know, the, the, the other way. And they're in the lead more often because that kind of has to be what's going to happen. I do believe that Derrick Henry, if we're just talking from a fantasy perspective, um, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts, but he just, he seems like one of the safer options because the team just has shown us over and over, at least over the course of this last year. And then just via their actions, via basically giving them a contract that in guaranteed money, what is it? Like it's basically two, two franchise tags. It's 25. Yeah, exactly that's what it is. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So, so, I mean, they're committed to him. Um, Derrick Henry just feels safe, safe as can be. My, my question is to you do, you, do you, do you agree with that? Do you see any drop off with the offensive line now that Conklin is, is gone and how that's going to work things out? And then thirdly, I keep asking about this. I keep bugging you. I, 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 I text you in the middle of the night sometimes. Are they going to let him try and catch the football any more than, than he has been? Yeah, I'll start with that one. They, I think, are going to look to incorporate him more in the passing game. But I'll be honest with you, he's not really a natural pass catcher. So I would approach that aspect with caution. But I think they'll find ways to get him involved. He's especially good in the screen game. So that Mm -hmm. in itself will be something that they'll use. As far as the the offense itself, though, you have to give Ryan Tannehill credit. He brought balance to the offense, and that's really when they went to the next level. But, you know, being able to play from behind and still run the football is something that's unique, and it's something that they do. There were times where they were down by nine points or or, or more, and they continued to run the football. Arthur Smith, offensive coordinator, he fully understands the best way for them to be effective on, on offense is running it. 
And with this offensive line, Jack Conklin, he was one of their better run blockers, and especially in that playoff stretch. He, along with the other four guys, were completely in sync. However, one of the things that you have to note is Dennis Kelly is taking his spot, and he was a guy who played regularly. He started four games for the Titans while Taylor Lewan was out. So I think they'll be in good shape there, and just for good measure, they added Isaiah Wilson, a guy who's known for his run blocking. I mean, oh, yeah. you have, what, 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, whatever his height is, 340-plus pounds mm-hmm. out there blocking. It's, it's definitely going to open things up for you. So what? where does Darrington Evans fit in? And, and what did you – I mean, the thing that people might not know about you, Teron, is that you were an insane NFL draft guy too. There's probably not a prospect that's come, come through that you don't have – you know, you, you couldn't talk an hour about. So, you know, what's your what's your general – book like what did you think of Darrington Evans as a prospect and how do you see him fitting in? Do you, I mean, clearly – I mean, Derrick Henry's the the, the guy. Does, is he – is Darrington Evans – can we see him sprinkled in? Could we see him yeah. um, more like a one B, like because De- Deion Lewis wasn't really used used that much. And, and, and then also, I, I, I know I keep asking multiple multi pronged questions, but how do you feel about how do you feel about this truncated offseason is going to affect rookies in in, in general? Uh, do you think that we might not be able to expect quite as much right off the bat from these guys? Yeah, I would definitely not expect quite as much off the bat from the rookies because all the learning that they've had up to this point has been classroom. And if you ask any football player, they'll tell you, you know, classroom is good, but I need to get out there and execute what it is you're you're asking me to do. So that's going to take some time for them to get acclimated, excuse me, acclimated. But when you look at Darrington Evans, I I think there's going to be opportunities for him to really have an impact. And the thing with him that's really good right off the bat is him as a pass catcher. He can be effective in that aspect. And Deion Lewis last year, he played, I think it was like 84% of the snaps on third downs. So there will be opportunities for Evans. The thing that I also like about Evans is at times he showed to be very adept at pass pro, which is important on third town. They they have a, a $118 million investment in the backfield that they have to protect. So if, yeah. if the rookie back can't come in and be helpful in pass pro, he's not going to play. Additionally, they don't lose – all right, let me put this correctly. Derrick Henry, in my opinion, is one of the biggest home run hitters when it comes to running with the football. So they're going to lose some, but you still have a guy that's capable of making house calls in Darrington Evans. He had multiple ones there at Appalachian State. And when you get back to the whole situation with not expecting much from a rookie – One thing that is good for the Titans, and it's a theme that they had within their first three picks, all all three of those guys are well-versed and experienced in a lot of the things that the Titans like to do, right? Isaiah Wilson in the zone scheme at Georgia. Christian Fulton in in match and and man coverage at times at LSU. And then Evans, he ran a lot of zone. A lot of the concepts that they use at Appalachian State we're very similar to what the Titans are going to be using. So you won't have that whole trying to get that feel on how to stretch a run out and then cut it back. He's already done that. Do you think that Christian Fulton comes in immediately and, and, and handles the slot? Uh, is it going to be – is that the, is that what it's going to be? Uh, um, I don't know. I mean, a, a, I, I can't really see them wasting a Dory Jackson speed playing him inside. 
maybe Malcolm Butler. Who's going to play the slot? Do you know? Yeah, I, I smile when you say Christian Fulton because I absolutely love watching him. Uh, watching his film. Well, people LSU. will only remember the final game where he got a little bit exposed. But, like, if you watch some of the film from earlier earlier in the season, I mean, I watched that That's dude play Texas. Yeah, yeah, right. right. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a good player. Yeah, he, he's an outstanding player. I think he will get some opportunities as a nickel. That's what his first job was at LSU. So he had the whole situation. And when they came back, you know, he just kind of – remain mostly on the outside. They're going to mix in, and that's one of the things that's really good about this Titans defense, their secondary specifically. They have the ability to match up to a lot of the options that teams put in in that slot, right? You want to put a Mm -hmm. big tight end out there, not a big tight end, but a move tight end out there Mm -hmm. that's going to require a bigger DB. So then you have Amani Hooker and Dan Cruikshank. Both of guys are, are solid at covering tight ends. And you could still have a guy like Kevin Byard in center field and have mm-hmm. Kenny Farrell playing the box. Then if you want to put a, a speedy, shifty guy, that's when a Dory Jackson speed will be good for them in the slot because now you have a guy that could turn and run. And Christian Poole, when they face like well, Paris Campbell or somebody like that out of the slot for Indy, maybe a Dory be on yeah, I, I, I mean, T.Y., I don't, I don't know, but right. Yeah, well, when they face T.Y., Hilton, more than likely, Adore is going to travel with him. And that's what they've done before with Adore. He had a tough game uh, a couple years ago against T.Y. Hilton and mm-hmm. Cole. But they'll, they'll probably have him travel. I think you have to mix in Jonathan Joseph as well. He's not the same 4-3-1 guy, but he's still a very savvy veteran. I think he'll have some some snaps there, too, so. It's really going to be four guys, Adore Jackson, Joseph, uh, Christian Fulton, actually five, Amadi Hooker and Dan Crookshank in their extensive sub back. Do you think that, um, just get, getting back to the offensive side quickly, uh, A.J. A. Brown, a lot of people look at his you know, yards per catch last year that was just through the roof, yards after contact, through the roof. They think that, if the volume is the same for him next year, there's no way he'll be able to repeat his statistical numbers just because it was such a, such an outlier. Do you have faith in AJ? I mean, I'm, I, whenever people talk about this regression, especially when they're talking about young players, young ascending, improving players, I'm like, well, how do you weigh it on the other side? The fact that AJ Brown's awesome and he's probably going to continue getting better, you know? So like, shouldn't that weigh on the other side of the negative regression that, that you're, that you're planning for? How do you see it with AJ Brown? He's clearly the number one there. Right. And um, do you think he can, do you think he can have the same statistical season that he had last year? He's the number one and I can see him having the same statistical season. With the exception of yards per catch and yards after catch, I think it'll be similar. But 8.8 yards after contact, it's like, that's, that's it's great crazy, average. right? How, how did he do that? It's it, crazy. Well, if you watch him play, it's just that mix of size, speed, and agility, athleticism. It, it really shows. You look at the Raiders game, Daryl Worley is not a small corner. He's a good oh, six no. 205 pounds. He bounced right off him on a slant. But then you look at, you know, the Falcons game where he caught the ball, changed field, and went and uh, outran the whole Falcons defense. You know, mm-hmm. he's, he's the total package yards after catch wide. And I'm glad you mentioned looking at the other side of the coin because this is a guy that can still get better. I've talked with him about getting better at his releases, right, getting better, creating separation at the top of the routes, developing that quickness and more fluency in and out of the breaks. And that's something that he's working to do. 
So there's a good chance that you could get a better version of A.J. Brown this year than last year. Another thing you have to look at is, is Ryan Tannehill being in the mix. Things changed a bit for A.J. Brown. There was a point where they hit a stride, and that was a connection. That play action going to him on that slant, it was basically unstoppable. And it was one of the ways anytime they needed a big play in the passing game, they went to A.J. Brown for that. So I think there's going to be a lot of improvement for him. Also, the targets are going to go up. So just as you know, you know, anytime the targets increase, typically the receptions will increase, and that'll give him more opportunities to make plays in football. I like you mentioned that like his feet, like his stemming at the line of scrimmage and getting off press, and because you know people forget that he, I, I, I get classes always mixed up, but he played with DK Metcalf, yeah. and whenever DK was not injured. Um, and he was on the field, AJ Brown, you know, people was, he, he played a lot in the slot and people were yes. wondering if that was something he was going to struggle with when he, so uh, yeah, these, these are all things that he's going to continue getting better. I, I'm, I'm so glad that I had him as my number one wide receiver that year because he's turned out to just be awesome. Um, yeah. a, a, a guy who a lot of people had as their top wide receiver in his year, who has been a spectacular failure so far has been Corey Davis. What, I mean, have you seen, what have you, is Corey that, does Corey Davis still have a chance? Yeah, I, I think he still has a chance. And last year, you know, not to make excuses, he fell short of expectations. But I will say this. He had a very personal thing that, you, you know, most people would, would – would, huh. it would impact them. You know, okay. he had that. And then he also had, had the turf toe situation. So there were things that, you know, kind of made things a, a bit worse for him. But the good thing is the ability is still there, right? At this time last year well, in camp, he was he was outstanding. And there was really an expectation that he was going to take that step. I think for him, the main thing is consistency. And that's something that you can't have those games where you have one catch off of three targets. I, I think they have to get to the ball to him more. They have to get him involved early. And it's something that going back to the Eagles game in 2018, to the Patriots game where he gave Stephon Gilmore every bit of work Gilmore could have wanted. Yeah, I, I remember it. Start. The third play of the game, they ran that deep over, and it was like a 42-yard reception. You have to get him involved early, and I think that's the, the key. Good thing for people who want to take Corey Davis, uh, Ryan Tannehill in, in our virtual meetings, he said that he wants to get him involved. Arthur Smith has said that too. I think you also have to look at A.J. Brown being the number one. So the Marshawn Lattimore's, the Stephon Gilmore's, the you know, Jair Alexander, one of my favorite corners in the league, mm-hmm. those guys are going to be guarded number 11. So now he's in a lot of the number two. In a, in a lot of those guys, in a lot of the teams he faces, has have bad number two corners. If you just look and, and you, or bad bad ones are rookies. Because if you just look at like at week one, it'll be Isaac Isaac Yodum, and week two it should probably be C.J. Henderson. Week three it'll probably be Jeff Gladney. He'll have a tough he'll have a tough matchup in week four, maybe with Joe Hayden. But then he gets Josh Norman in week five, who sucks these days. I mean, we're talking about guys that aren't good. Garyon Connolly hasn't shown much. He'll probably get William Jackson um, in week ten. He gets Xavier Rhodes and gets Xavier Rhodes again in week twelve. These are matchups that Corey Davis can win uh, yeah. if, 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 if we're planning on um, 
And then just and then just down down the stretch, like like you mentioned, week sixteen, he's like he's going to see Kevin King. He's not going to see Jair Alexander. Um, it, you know, week fifteen, he's going to see Desmond Trufant. He's not going to see Patrick Peterson. It's like these are these are important things to think about. So maybe we shouldn't be throwing the baby out with the bathwater just yet with Corey Corey Davis. Now that now that Delaney Walker's out of there, though, is this finally the year that we can uh, predict Johnny Smith to 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 do something sus- sustainable for us? Yeah, let me say this: John o. Smith's offense, uh, his position coach is the offensive coordinator. There's a reason why you saw a series of plays put in there for John o. Smith to be involved. And then you also have to look at the fact that in in March and April he was in South Florida throwing with Tannehill, so that chemistry was kind of carried over into the off season, and they'll look to mm-hmm. carry that into training camp and into the regular season. But you also have to look at just the improvement, you saw a, a spike in his production when Tannehill took over. And that's no slight on Marcus Mariota. It's just the offense just as a whole took off. The offensive line played better. Henry continued to get better, so on and so forth. So it's natural for that to happen. And when you look at that, what, that divisional game against the Ravens, I think that's the best example of the chemistry and trust that Tannehill has in John Smith. He threw that, that pass to the corner of the end zone. John Smith was covered, but he still put it out there. And John, who came down with it, made an outstanding catch. So they love him. That coaching staff as a whole really love him. And they're going to work to feature him. The being a tight end playing the Ravens last year was a was a brutal nightmare for anybody who who did it. I'm sure I'm sure he was covered. Um, okay, so let's just let's just uh, we only have a few more minutes with you, man. I, I want to just take a quick flight here around the AFC South about some of these teams that the eight in the AFC South that the Titans will be uh, will be playing. I know you're a close observer of all these guys as prospects and also just as, as a you know fan of the NFL. So your prediction, who gets more targets in Indy this season, the rookie Michael Pittman Jr., who we all saw at the senior bowl or Paris Campbell, who, you know, is the second year dynamo that was injured all last season, but could, could step into more of a featured role this year. Yeah. I think Pittman Jr. is going to get more receptions. He is, a reincarnation, in my opinion, of, of Vincent Jackson. And you know, you know, <laughs> there was a lot of success there with the Chargers. Uh, oh, uh, oh yeah, yeah. So I, yeah. I definitely see him getting more because he's he's a bigger target. He's one that I could see get get more opportunities. How about this one? Uh, same uh, staying on the Colts. Jonathan Taylor. They, they they draft Jonathan Taylor. What did you think of Taylor coming out? And do you think he's going to take Marlon Mack's job? And if so, how long is it going to take? Yeah, Taylor's a tractor, man. He's someone that I, I think they're going to give him a lot of carries. To be that big, he has a lot of explosiveness. It's only a matter of time. I would say probably by week four, he'll take over for Marlon Mack. And remember, Marlon Mack is going to be a free agent after this season. So they're going to phase him out of that offense to get Taylor in and be a, a future uh, cog in that offense. Future cog in the offense. Leonard Fournette's looking like he's not going to be a cog in the offense for too much longer with Jacksonville, but he is back for this year. He's he's got to score more than three touchdowns this oh, season, yeah. right? Like we're, yeah. we're expecting a bounce back as far as that's concerned. Yeah, I think he'll score more than three touchdowns. They're going to run, go run heavy like they did before, and I, I could see him scoring three touchdowns uh, more than that for sure. So if we stay in Jacksonville, what about LaVisca Chenault? What did you think of him as a prospect? And then do you think that he's somebody who they will be able to integrate in year one? If so, is it just going to be too gadgety or maybe too weird 
to be something that maybe fantasy players should be dipping their toes in just yet? In my opinion, they're going to have to be gadgety with him because I'm not confident at him at the at the line of scrimmage. You know, I, I think you're going to have to find ways. And when you have a guy who has such a complete skill set, you do want to move him around. I'm not saying he's as effective as, as Percy Harvin, but you want to use him in that type of role to try to get that that type of um, maximize his versatility. A lot of people have the kind of Cordero Patterson. Um, yeah. That, comparison that was our comp and i and i've heard it from a bunch of other people too that's sort sort of seems like what you're describing a, a little bit um, exactly. all right so now now to the texans i'll get a couple of texans questions here one final question I'll, I'll get you out of here i know how busy you are this time of year bill o'brien he traded away deandre hopkins in part for a deal that got him they they, they got david johnson i mean we don't need to relitigate that trade i see you kind of shaking your head <laughs> but like um <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't this mean that Bill O'Brien's going to have to try and he's 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 going to have to feature David Johnson, right? Yeah, he's he's going to feature him, and rightfully so. We can't forget David Johnson is a guy that that you know was a receiver when he first got to college. So oh, there yeah. are opportunities for him to catch the football. But when you trade away Hopkins, you take away Deshaun Watson's biggest and most trusted target. There's so many times where plays broke down and they were on the same page where you saw. Hopkins slam on the brakes, reverse field, and, and Watson did the same thing, and they connected for big games. It's, it's called going off script, and they were the best at doing that. If you were to pick one Texans wide receiver, and I, and I know you're an NFL guy much more than you are a fantasy guy, but let's just say you were playing in a fantasy league, and let's say Will Fuller came with a price tag that was like, he's like medium-priced, right? He's, he's not super expensive to get, but medium-priced. Brandon Cooks is kind of low-priced. And Randall Cobb is um, extremely low priced. Taking if you're being if you're taking those pri- if you don't mind taking those prices into consideration, kind of a me- medium priced option, one low priced option, and one very very low priced option. Uh, is is there one of those that would seem to make the most sense to you if you were trying to uh, put 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 together a fantasy team? I would take Kenny Stills before all three of them just because of the availability. <laughs> because because, because he's free. Because all those other guys are low price, medium price. Like Stills, Stills is free. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. But see, the thing is, you know, Will Fuller, he, he's like a Lamborghini, right? But when it's working right, it drives perfectly. But it, it requires a lot of maintenance. And, you know, he always has those soft tissue injuries, hamstring, whatever. So I would probably stay away from him unless it was like towards the, the end of my draft. Brandon Cooks, you have the concussion issue. Um, if I had to pick between those three guys, it would probably be Randall Cobb, just from the uh, consistency standpoint, especially if it's a PPR type league, I, I would mm-hmm. go with Randall Cobb. All right. And then, uh, Teron, I'll, I'll get you out of here on this one. Again, Teron Davenport. Find him on Twitter at T Davenport underscore NFL. You can find all of his content over there on ESPN.com. You can. He's a big star these days, man. I can't believe it. Dude, we came up together since we were like, feels like we were kids when we first met. Now I turn on ESPN <laughs> and see Tehran. Um, but in, anyway, I'm sure you're already following him. But it, but if not, mo- please mobilize Unite. Go give him a uh, go go give him a follow on Twitter. Appreciate All right, Tehran. One skill player, skill player, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end that you loved at any point during any of the previous draft processes. That 2020 is the year. 2020 is the year that we're going to see him break out. Yeah, I'll go more recent, and I'm going to go with last year a rookie, and that's Dwayne Haskins, and I think he's going to break out. There is so much talk about him 
not being a good quarterback, but he actually, in my opinion, you know, after Kyler Murray is, is the best quarterback in that group. So I'm going with Haskins. He's finally in a situation where the team wants him. He has the coach behind him. He's not set up to fail like he was last year. And many people don't realize how much that confidence, uh, having that confidence of your coaching staff in you, how much that has to do with your being an excellent player. So I'm going with Haskins. 